Shalom, and thank you for listening at BethEmmanuel.org. If you enjoy the teachings from Beth Emanuel, share the links with your friends. Like us on Facebook and tell your friends about the things you are learning at Beth Emanuel. Help us grow the message. Our Master Yeshua warns us not to neglect the weighty matters of the Torah, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. From where does he derive this triad of three essentials? Micah 6.8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Just for the sake of the lecture, let's assume that to be the case. Let's assume that when Yeshua declared the weighty matters of the Torah to be justice, mercy, and faithfulness, that he specifically had in mind this passage from Micah, and that if we were to ask him for a proof text to validate his words, he would point us to Micah 6, 8. So let's take a closer look at Micah 6, 8. Let's begin by setting this pasuk in its historical context. The prophet Micah uttered the statement back in the days of King Hezekiah. Micah worked in tandem with the prophet Isaiah on a mission from God to influence the kingdom of Judah toward repentance. It was a rescue mission. They both saw that the doom of exile and destruction hung over the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel. It was too late for Israel and the Assyrians took them away. But there was still a chance to save Judah. If this sounds familiar, that's because it's much the same mission that our master undertook when he set out with the gospel message, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was trying to influence his generation to repent in order to merit the kingdom and avert the terrible impending punishment of destruction and exile. But where Yeshua's generation was unwilling to heed his message of repentance, the generation of Isaiah and Micah did heed. They listened to the prophets, and they repented. It's a dramatic story, one of the most dramatic moments in the whole Bible when the Assyrians come against Hezekiah's kingdom. Jerusalem is the last city standing, and the Assyrian army has it surrounded. But God intervenes, sends the angel Gabriel, strikes the Assyrian army, and sends them retreating from the land. How did Isaiah and Micah achieve such phenomenal success to turn the heart of the people and to turn the heart of the king toward God? Well, read their books. They had a steep hill to climb. In their day, Judah had begun to assimilate with Assyrian culture. Economic success under their alliance with Assyria brought wealth and wealth brought religious apathy and apostasy. The prophets roared against the people of Judah. Micah walked naked and barefoot to make a spectacle, showing the people what it's like to be led away into exile, captive in chains. It's sort of ironic for a guy who's preaching tzniut. Isaiah decried religious hypocrisy. He lamented, Thus says the Lord, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He rebuked the nation for injustice, bloodshed, debauchery, and apostasy. They also offered good news and hope. They tempered their fiery message by pointing toward the hope of future redemption and promises of the kingdom. 
those promises of redemption as an incentive for repentance and consolation of the kingdom balance out their withering rebukes against the people of Judah, against the royalty, against aristocracy, and even the religious leadership for using a veneer of religious piety to conceal corruption, wickedness, social abuses, deceit, self-indulgence, and spiritual lethargy. In those days, the people seemed to believe that so long as they kept the holy days and offered the assigned sacrifices on the appointed times, they could get away with murder. The prophet Isaiah disabused the nation of that notion. What are your multiplied sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle, and I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. When you come to appear before me, who requires of you this trampling of my courts? Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me, new moon and Sabbath. The calling of assemblies, I cannot endure iniquity and the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Isaiah 1, to 15 The words of the prophet Isaiah. He's saying, No amount of ceremony, sacrifice, or ritual observance is going to fix this problem. The only thing that's going to fix this problem is real repentance. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Come now, and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. Isaiah 1.16-18 That's how the scroll of Isaiah begins. In Micah 6, we enter a similar conversation. In this instance, Micah is saying, The Lord has a case against his people. Even with Israel he will dispute. My people, what have I done to you? And how have I wearied you? Answer me. A few verses later, we hear the nation reply to Micah's charge. The people answer with a series of cynical rhetorical questions, implying that, God must be unappeasable. With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams, in ten thousand rivers of oil? Micah 6, 6 and 7. They are saying that it seems like no amount of sacrifices will win God's favor. The priesthood already offers countless burnt offerings, extravagant offerings of yearling calves, thousands of sacrificed rams, and rivers of oil poured out over grain offerings, and an endless litany of sacrificial services in the temple. 
If those sacrifices are insufficient to compensate for iniquity, what will be sufficient? The nation does not understand that to do righteousness and justice is desired by the Lord more than sacrifice. Proverbs 21.3 Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. 1 Samuel 15.22 If God cannot be appeased with temple sacrifices, what does he require? The nation rhetorically throws the problem back to Micah, sarcastically asking, Shall I present the firstborn for my rebellious acts, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Micah 6.7 Micah responds with a disarmingly simple equation. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. The Lord's favor cannot be purchased with extravagant sacrifices. Micah says that the Lord requires justice, that is mishpat, kindness, that is chesed, and walking in humility, hatsnia, before God. The word hatsnia more commonly appears in Jewish teaching in the noun form tzniut. Micah is saying that God asks nothing more than these three things. But no amount of sacrifices can compensate when those three things are absent. Micah's summary of God's expectations echoes the words of Moses in Deuteronomy when he says, Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. Deuteronomy 10, 12 to 13. And it's to this passage in the Torah, I believe, that the prophet Micah alludes when he says, to walk humbly with your God. That is, to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve him, and keep his commandments. Given the context of this saying, coming in the midst of a discussion about the efficacy of sacrifices, it seems obvious to me that Micah 6.8 was a cornerstone of Yeshua's teaching. It sounds like something Yeshua would say, Yeshua taught a similar prioritization of genuine faith, love, and obedience above the Torah's ceremonial concerns, religious rites, and forms. The Gospel of Mark says, To love God with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as himself, is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Mark 12.33 Likewise, to drive home his message about placing the weighty matters of Torah ahead of ritual and ceremonial concerns, Yeshua often punctuated his teachings with a parallel passage from Hosea, I delight in loyalty, that is chesed, rather than sacrifice, and in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings.
Hosea 6, 6. Mishpat, Chesed, and Tzniut are three core principles of godly conduct. Mishpat means justice and judgment. In the biblical sense, justice is more than simply punishing the guilty and exonerating the innocent. It also includes social concern, looking towards the needs of the disenfranchised, the poor, the widow, and the orphan. Chesed. Translators often render chesed into English as loving kindness or mercy. It can also mean loyalty and devotion. And then finally, tzniut. Micah actually uses the verb form hatsniah, walking in humility and modesty. It's the opposite of arrogance, braggadocious behavior such as boastful pride or flaunting one's assets. We've already learned that the Talmud regarded Micah 6.8 as a summary of all the Torah's requirements. Makot 24a says, Micah came and reduced the commandments of the Torah down to three principles. I'm suggesting that Yeshua identifies these qualities from Micah as the weighty matters of the Torah, justice and mercy and faithfulness. Micah 6.8 has strong resonance with the teachings of Yeshua and the apostles. Yeshua taught us to conduct ourselves with mishpat. We should administer right justice and treat others how we would be treated, not judging others ruthlessly, but judging ourselves first. With the measure we judge others, it will be measured to us. We should judge impartially, treating all men equally. And many other teachings of Yeshua fall into this category. He taught us to conduct ourselves with chesed. These are Yeshua's teachings about charity, mercy, kindness, and love for others. Love your neighbor as yourself. We are to love others and return even unkindnesses with love and mercy. And he taught us to connect, to conduct ourselves with tzniut. This word is normally translated as modesty. The conventional way it's used in Judaism today is generally to refer to modest dress standards for men and women, but primarily for women. It's also used broadly to refer to rules of proper speech about issues pertaining to sexuality, standards of discretion, and conduct between the genders, such as the rules of not being isolated with someone of the opposite gender other than wife or family, the rule of prohibiting physical contact before marriage, and even after marriage, rules against public displays of affection and a few other matters governing interactions around sexuality and affection. All of that's good stuff that helps elevate sexuality, separates us from the world, and hedges us against sin. It's all included under this category of tzniut, because tzniut does not flaunt itself. It does not seek to draw attention to itself. It's the opposite of the natural human tendency to put one's self forward and make one's self the center of attention. But that entails a lot more than dressing modestly. In fact, it's possible to dress modestly in such a way that you totally draw attention to yourself. What does it mean to walk with tzniut before God? The Talmud puts it this way. To walk humbly with your God refers to walking in funeral and bridal processions. Well, if you are walking in a funeral procession, you aren't the center of attention. Instead, you are walking behind the deceased. And the deceased is the center of attention. It's not a place to be frivolous or flirtatious either. 
Similarly, if you are walking in a bridal procession, you aren't supposed to be the center of attention. You're supposed to be walking behind the bride and the groom, and all eyes are to be upon the bride and the groom. The Talmud says, And if so, does this not teach us from the light to the heavy? If the Torah tells us to conduct ourselves with humility in public, such as funerals and weddings, how much more so is it necessary for us to conduct ourselves modestly in private matters that require modesty? The person who walks humbly before God exercises a healthy fear of the Lord, continually mindful of God's watchful eye and overwhelming presence. His behavior is not ostentatious. He walks privately with Hashem. He fulfills his duties to God in an unassuming manner, privately and without great publicity. He is ever aware that God is center of the stage and needs to be kept at the center of attention. He doesn't put himself in that place. Let's think about how this broader idea of Tzniut finds expression in the teaching of Yeshua. He taught us to lower ourselves, to take the lower seat, to become like a child to enter the kingdom, to be poor in spirit, because the first will be last and the last will be first. He taught us not to jockey for rank, not to demand our rights and privileges, but to defer to others, to seek to serve rather than to be served, to lead through servanthood. A significant body of his teaching is dedicated to the subject of Tzniut because the Middle East in which he lived was an honor-based society in which each person is concerned about whether or not he has been properly honored and taking insult and personal injury when they feel they have not been properly honored by others. Yeshua's teaching tries to counter that tendency toward self-concern and self-aggrandizement and pride. Instead, his disciples should show mercy, repay evil with good, turn the other cheek, forgive others their trespasses against you. A great deal of Yeshua's teaching can be categorized under the broad category of walk humbly with your God. We hear his teaching about Tzniut echoed in the words of the apostles. James says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. James 4, 6. Paul says, A person should walk before God modestly and discreetly. 1 Timothy 2, 9. And Peter says, A person should humble himself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. 1 Peter 5, 6. In short, If we have any sense of the greatness of God, that awareness of God should banish our pride. Going back to my original point, I believe that when Yeshua declared justice, mercy, and faithfulness to be the weighty matters of the Torah, he had this passage from Micah 6.8 in mind. But by now, an objection should have formed in your mind. You should have noticed by now that despite the congruency of many many of Yeshua's teachings with the principle of Tzniut and despite the tight fit of Micah 6.8, Tzniut is not one of the three weighty matters. Yeshua did not say, you have neglected the weighty, weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and walking humbly with your God. Instead, He said, justice, mercy, 
and faithfulness. Reflecting on this, I first thought that faithfulness might be a substitute provided by the Greek translator attempting to simplify a difficult-to-translate Hebrew idiom. Then I realized that our rabbi intentionally chose the word faithfulness instead of using the word humility or modesty. I think it's based on his own brilliant and creative exegesis of the meaning of to walk humbly with God. I believe he connects Micah 6.8 with Habakkuk 2.4, just as Rabbi Simlai does in the Talmud. Habakkuk says, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right with him, but the righteous will live by his faith. Habakkuk 2.4 He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Micah 6.8 Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. In this passage, the prophet Habakkuk contrasts pride with righteousness and faith. The proud person's soul is not right with God, but the righteous will live by faith, emunah. Therefore, emunah must be the opposite of pride, and Yeshua uses the term to include and encompass the concept of walking before God with sniut. I think he wanted a noun which could replace the verbal form hatsnia that appears in Micah, because remember that Micah 6.8 doesn't actually have the noun sniut. It uses the verbal form, to walk humbly with your God. So what does walk humbly with your God sound like as a single noun? It sounds like sniut, but walking with God is more than just being a humble person or a modest person. So Yeshua went to Habakkuk to grab the noun emunah, faith, as a single word that could summarize the broader idiom to walk humbly with your God. In any case, it's clear to me that the target concept is tzniut. Why? Because it fits the context perfectly. It comes in the middle of the seven woes during which Yeshua is criticizing the religious leaders for religious ostentatiousness. He repeatedly scolds them with the word hypocrites, that is, actors. Not necessarily in the sense of someone play-acting at being something they aren't, as much as in the sense of someone who loves to put on a show, occupying the center of the stage. Look at how he prefaces the seven woes. He says, They do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by men. Matthew 23, 5-7 He's describing here what he means by hypocrisy. And it's the opposite of walking humbly with your God. It's the opposite of tzniut. A great deal of Yeshua's teaching addresses this concern. In another place he says, Don't be like the hypocrites who do their acts of righteousness in order to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. He warned his disciples not to make long public prayers in front of people for the sake of being heard by men, 
but rather to go into their closets and pray privately to God who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. That's tzniut in prayer. Likewise, in giving charity, do it secretly, privately, modestly, not announcing it with trumpets like the hypocrites. Likewise, with undertaking a private fast. In another place, he tells a parable which brilliantly illustrates the idea of tzniut before God. A religious man and a tax collector are in the temple. Both of them are praying before God. The religious man is full of himself, boasting about his righteousness. The sinful tax collector is so abashed to be standing in the temple before Hashem that he cannot even lift his eyes. The religious man prays, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified, rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Luke eighteen eleven to 14 That's the concept of walking humbly before your God. Back in Matthew 23, Yeshua tells his disciples not to be like that. And not to be like those who use their religious position and title as an ornament for self-promotion. But do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, and you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. Do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, that is the Messiah. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Matthew 23, 5-12 This whole talk comes down to a very simple point. When Yeshua says that the third weighty matter of the Torah is faithfulness, we are to understand that as walking humbly with your God. Tzniut is part of that. Not the whole of it, but part of it. Habakkuk gets to the heart of this idea of humility before God at the beginning of the Haftarah for the second day of Shavuot when he says, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Be still and know that I am God. And learn from me. And find rest for your soul